You are listening to an encore presentation of Pilgrim's Progress. We will not be taking calls today. expensive gift there is is love inevitably love will bring pain into your life it is impossible to love someone and not have that love result in some anguish of heart the deeper the love the deeper the pain the pain of rejection the pain of loss, the pain of disagreement and breakage between two people who love each other. Inevitably, love brings pain. Now that seems to be an oxymoron, but it's not. The reason the pain comes is because we're in a war zone. We're in a war zone where everything is changing. The battlefront is moving. And when we're caught in the midst of the battle, the pain can be unbearable at times. We think usually of love as a refuge. And in some ways, love is a refuge but always it is a temporary refuge because love demands commitment. It demands honesty. Love demands integrity. Love demands sincerity. Love always must be nurtured and guarded And that comes at a high expense. Because we are in a war zone. A war zone in which people die. Sometimes a place where friendships are broken. Sometimes a place where our fondest love is dashed to the ground. Because we're in a war zone. I've emphasized time after time on this broadcast that we are on a pilgrim's journey. I have left behind the city of destruction. I am daily making the journey, step by step, toward that celestial city. I find a place of refuge, a place of rest, but knowing always that it is a temporary place of refuge because I must move on toward my final destination which is the celestial city of God. It is a journey that demands love. It is a journey that expects love. It is a journey that looks toward self-sacrifice It is also a journey that is exhausting. That many times you feel pressed and wonder how can I survive another day. Other times it is a joyous dancing in the park, laughing and and playing. I said recently to a precious couple who have gone through a lot of trauma and a lot of change in their life in the last 60 days I said to them please would you just promise me that you will take time to go play with each other that you'll go on walks that you'll go to museums you'll go wherever the two of you enjoy going just to be romantic just to spend time together 
because as you nurture and strengthen the ties between the two of you as husband and wife, you will be able to face the journey with more strength and courage. And they are a wonderful couple. God is calling after them constantly. He speaks with them. But they're apt to forget time just to laugh and play. In the seriousness of the journey, as they endeavor to help everyone they can and sacrifice themselves constantly for the good of others, there comes a time when you have to come apart and rest and recognize that the journey requires laughter as well as tears. It requires love as well as pain because we are in a battle and if you please it is a witchcraft battle it is a battle against the powers of darkness I want to read it for you from the scriptures and by the way I'm Ray Greenley I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia and thank you for joining me today for this broadcast I pray you will be encouraged and challenged There is a heaven to win and a hell to miss. Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. I'll be happy to dedicate as much of the time in this broadcast as you would like to talking and praying with you. So if you're touched by what you hear and you need to be prayed for, or if you have a testimony of victory that will encourage others. This is not a debating session. It's not not about the worldly interpretation of theology. It's about the practical walk toward heaven. I only have time to deal with the practice of of the day-by-day journey as we make our way toward that celestial city. Now, great insights come and great understandings come. And I praise God for those understandings. But those understandings are not very helpful if they're not translated into how do I now walk this out? How do I make progress on the journey toward heaven? And please, some of you have been stuck for a long time where you're at. You've been stuck in your sin, in your rebellion. You don't know why you're stuck. You just feel powerless and defeated some of you are in despair and discouragement I want to tell you today in Jesus Christ there is deliverance from sin all sin there is deliverance from bondage all bondage there's no longer any reason in Jesus Christ to be discouraged or in despair even in the most intense pain of your heart Look up to Jesus. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the Apostle Paul, as he concludes this wonderful book to the church, he begins to speak about the final things that are on his heart. Ephesians 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Did you know the devil is planning very specific strategies to keep you in bondage? He is designing very specific strategies to block you from making progress toward heaven. Paul is saying, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against these strategies or schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The word powers in the Greek literally means Superhuman. Superhuman. These are the powers that we're dealing with. 
you cannot defeat them on your own. They can only be defeated by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you are not hidden in Jesus, you will be defeated. And you will not successfully make the journey to the celestial city. John Bunyan was struggling before God, walking in sin. And the Lord spoke to him. And he said, Wilt thou have thy sin and go to hell? Wilt thou have thy sin and go to hell? Or wilt thou repent and come to heaven? His life was turned around by those sharp words spoken audibly to him. Those same words you need to hear in your heart today. There is a battle for your soul. And every power of witchcraft has come against you as an American or as a member of the body of Christ, whether you're in Brazil or China, wherever you are, every power of Satan is coming against you to stop you from making progress toward that celestial city. And if you don't make progress, and if you don't arrive there safely, you will end up in hell. Many people will end up in hell by accident. They didn't intend to go there. They intended to go to heaven. It was their goal to go to heaven, but they never paid the price and sacrificed their life. They never denied themselves. They never took up their cross, and they never followed Jesus seriously. Some of you listening to this broadcast have not recognized the spiritual battle that you're involved in. You have thought all you had to do was merrily make your way and one day you would end up in heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. There are those grace changers, as Jude speaks about them, saying that you can walk in your sin and still walk into heaven. The grace changers are cursed by God. His blessing has been removed from them. It is the intention of Jesus to destroy the work of the devil and it is his intention to deliver every person from the bondage of sin who desires to be delivered. Now let me continue reading this passage. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand I want to translate that a little differently from the original Greek it should read therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you will be able to stand perfect in all things or after you have done everything to stand, stand your ground, having conquered everything. In other words, Paul is saying, look, after you have taken up the cross, after you have paid the price and died to your flesh, after you are walking clean before God, now stand your ground. Stand perfect before God with no rebellion in your heart. Then he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. How can you have truth buckled around your waist when you're lying about your sin? when you have not fully confessed and renounced your sin. You cannot have truth buckled around you when you're a liar. He says, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
if, if your heart is not clean before God, if there are things standing between you and God today, my brother, my sister, you cannot have on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, these are not things that we put on. These are things that we become. This is a description of who the person is who is in Christ Jesus. He is a man or woman who has truth buckled around his waist. Truth clings to him. He has a breastplate of righteousness because his heart is clean. That word righteousness, dikasune, literally is a breastplate of innocence. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, when you stand clean before God, and you stand now without any handle the devil can get a hold of you with, now you're ready to take the gospel to other people and tell them, yes, you can be delivered from all sin. You can be delivered. Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He is the mighty Savior. If you're walking in sin, you can't say that about Jesus because you have not yet experienced the delivering power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why there is so little testimony today about Jesus in our culture because the grace changers have come with their false prophets, their false teachers, and they have said you're saved even though you walk in your sin and your lust. You'll just lose some rewards in heaven. These grace changers are cursed by God. The breastplate of innocence must be in place. And then your feet can be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, in addition to all of this, take up faith, the shield of faith. It can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, please understand what he's saying. There will be flaming arrows that will come at you. There will be condemnation and accusation. There will be persecution. There will be people who scorn you. All of these things that hurt you, if you allow them to strike your body, your heart, but you have a breastplate on of innocence, so you are not guilty before God, and you now take up the shield of faith, and you hold up the faith and say, Jesus, I trust you, and those arrows then can no longer pierce your heart and cause you to weep because of the pain you are suffering. You stand by faith. You stand perfect before God, not walking in rebellion, not walking in sin against Him, listening to the direction the Holy Spirit brings into your life. You have on the helmet of salvation. You know you are walking clean before God. You know what His promises are. Your heart hungers after Jesus. He covers your head with a helmet of salvation. And then He puts in your hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then you're to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, at every hand you're praying. You're asking God, you're interceding for other people. You're asking God to open the way before you. You're trusting Him. You're saying, Lord, I trust You for the finances for this next month. Even as I'm saying now, Lord, I trust You for the finances for May, for radio. I trust You for the finances for, for June, for radio, for July, for radio, for August, for radio. I trust You for radio, Jesus, because You said to do it. I trust You. I lift up that shield of faith and I pray in the Spirit and I know that my Word is entering in behind into the most holy compartment of God because the curtain has been ripped open. Jesus has been pierced. And so now my prayers go directly into the Father. I pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so I come praying for you. This morning, I was up early in the prayer closet, and I was praying for you. 
I was praying that God would have you come and listen to this broadcast today because there's something He has me to say just to you that you will be quickened by the Spirit when you hear it. He's calling you. He loves you. This is a battle against witchcraft. And the seducing spirits have gone out in the television. They've gone out in the internet. They go out in the magazines. They go out in the video games. The seducing spirits go forth in books. The seducing spirits go forth through the mouths of other people, through the seduction that is attempted against you by others. Invitations to go to the club. Invitations to go dance and drink and and have a good time. The seducing spirits come from the world and they try to pull you in. This is all witchcraft. Some of you say, but Pastor, I just watched the History Channel. Oh, really? You don't watch the ads when they come on. The softcore porn ads that come on. You don't watch those. And even some of the History Channel programming is of utter darkness. Let me tell you very plainly and bluntly. One of the main strategies of the devil, one of the primary schemes of the devil today is to overload you with stimulus. Did you hear me? He wants you when you get in the car to turn the radio on. He wants you wherever you are on your cell phone. He wants you wherever you are texting somebody. Wherever you go, He wants you to tweet. When you get home, He wants you to watch the television. Everywhere you go, He wants sensory input coming into your mind. When you go in the store, He wants music playing, worldly music. Everywhere you go, He wants people dressed seductively. He wants an overabundance of food. He wants you not to see the poor. Everywhere you go, the devil's scheme right now is to overcome your heart and your mind with overstimulation. He's doing the same thing to your children. Some of you actually are putting your children in front of the television and letting the TV babysit your kids. That's like letting the devil babysit your children. If suddenly you could look at the television and see the spirit behind what you're watching, you would see the devil in all of his glee, dancing with joy because he has you hooked. He has you on the drug of television and sensory input. When people turn off their televisions, as I did, I actually had to go through withdrawal pains. And they were hard. They were painful. Television is a drug. If some of you were to ever totally turn aside from your professional sports, you would literally go through withdrawal symptoms as if you were on a drug because they are a drug. If some of you would just lay your cell telephone down and not carry it with you for a week, you would literally go through withdrawal symptoms because it is a drug. Many days, I'll just leave my cell phone at home and not take it with me because I don't want the drug. I don't want to be tied to a cell phone. I want to be tied to Jesus Christ. Now, please listen to me. Some of you say, why can't God speak to me? The reason God may not be able to speak to you is because the devil is speaking so loudly through the sensory input of this world that the voice of God is drowned out. If you want to hear God speak to you, lay aside everything that satisfies your sensory input. Lay aside the rich foods, lay aside the alcohol, lay aside the tobacco, 
lay aside the marijuana, lay aside the cocaine, the heroin, whatever it is, your drug of choice, lay it aside if you want to hear from God. If you want to hear from God, take time to be with Him. Open those scriptures. Read the Word. Otherwise, you will be overcome by this world and you will be unsuccessful in the journey to the celestial city. Now, you understand, all of these seducing spirits that Paul is speaking about, and I'll read it again, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your wife or your husband. It's not against people. Your struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the superhuman powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, we are fighting against actual personages who devise strategies to put you in bondage and despair and discouragement. These are actual spirits, the Scripture says. They come against you to devour you, to destroy you, to cause you to stop lifting up your hands to Jesus. And as you suck in all of this witchcraft, as you suck all of this seduction into your heart, you are finally overcome and you will finally be destroyed. Now there's another passage of Scripture that I want to share with you very quickly. It's found in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What are the weapons of the world? Anger, bitterness, accusation, irony, judgments, hardness, separation, distance. Those are the weapons of the world. What are the weapons of the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, habitations of demons. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, how do we do that? Love. Love is our weapon. Prayer is our weapon. When someone comes against us with all the power of and the fury of the demons, our response to them is one of respect, calmness, and crying out for their salvation. I've been rejected too many times. And those rejections could cause me great pain. But instead I lift up the shield of faith and I begin to pray for that person's salvation. In other words, I tear down the stronghold of rejection with prayer for their redemption. And as I pray for their salvation, for their redemption, I was recently rejected by a person that I care a great deal about. This morning in my prayer closet, I dealt with that by asking the Lord God of heaven to bless them richly today with His presence. 
that he would turn their heart toward heaven, that he would convict them and cause them to see the risen Christ in all of his glory. In other words, I didn't take the rejection personally. I didn't use it to pierce my heart. I used it to prompt me to go into the prayer closet and cry out for their salvation and asking the Lord to heal the wounds of their heart that would prompt them to reject me. You see, it's not personal. I'm not fighting against a person. I'm fighting a spiritual war against witchcraft, against the seductive powers of the devil. He's a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. I tell you what, he will not devour this pastor because I'm going to use the weapons of heaven against him. And when he is able to use a person to bring pain into my life, I'm going to pray for that person's salvation. I will not hold a grudge. I will not be angry. I will not be distant. I will not be separate. I will respect them, and I will respect their right to say whatever they choose to say. But then I'll go to war in the prayer closet crying out for their blessing for their salvation that the pain of their heart could be removed do you see how this works we are in a war and if we begin to thrust ourselves out without seeking the counsel and direction of the Lord Jesus Christ if we begin to to use the weapons of this world, anger and bitterness and hardness of heart, ambition, putting down other people, trying to seduce people into doing what we want them to do. If we begin to use the weapons of this world, we will hurt people. And we will be hurt. But if we'll use the weapons of the Spirit of the living God, witchcraft can be defeated. Now we're looking at this amazing story in the book of Numbers. The story of Balaam and his donkey. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastored the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. You're welcome to go to our webpage. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find the podcasts of our past broadcast. And you'll find today's. It will be uploaded tonight. You're welcome to download them free of charge. And you'll find many other resources. You're also welcome to come and visit the National Prayer Chapel. We meet on Tuesday evening. At 7.30, 6.30, we begin prayer. 7.30 is praise and worship. And it's a time of accountability. It's a John Wesley class meeting. We sing a few songs. We have a brief exhortation. And then we move into intense sharing of our journey. It's a time of encouragement and support. If that's what you need in your life, then please come. We meet at the... All Saints Anglican Church. It's located on Gideon Drive in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you need directions, go to the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com. We also meet on Sunday afternoon. 12.30 is our worship time. And you're welcome to come. Again, it's at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. I invite you to come. If you need to find Jesus you will find him at the National Prayer Chapel. Drive around to the back side of the building and you'll find ground level, lower lobby, a large white sign saying lower lobby. Come in those double glass doors and our worship center is immediately on the left-hand side. And we would welcome you. I'm sure you would come and you will not, you will not leave the same as you arrived. Jesus will meet you. If that's what you need, 
If you're hungry for Jesus, you know you're tired of your life of sin, you're tired of walking in bondage, and you need to be set free, then come to the National Prayer Chapel and we will pray with you and you will be set free. You will be released from your bondages. Balaam is walking in witchcraft. He's been called by the king of Moab to curse the children of Israel. Now please, don't in your 21st century sophistication in the age of technology imagine that curses do not have power. I know one man who received a curse. He's a dear Christian. He received a curse from a witch. Everything came to an abrupt halt in his business. The effect of the curse was devastating until he prayed through and dealt with the curse. It was as though he was in bondage. Curses are very powerful things. They are not things to play with. But curses are broken when we begin to pray for that person's salvation. When we walk in the Spirit using the weapons of heaven, we tear down strongholds of curse. I have a person who is constantly sending curses to me. They telephone me many times a week and they leave curses on my telephone. Some have said, well, Pastor, why don't you just change your number? Well, because it gives me an opportunity to pray for this person's salvation. The curses have been made totally ineffective against me because I have no hatred in my heart that that curse can attach to. I have no bitterness in my spirit that it can find lodging in. I have no anger toward them. I only have great compassion. And the curses constantly remind me to pray and intercede for this person to plead for their salvation. And so daily I pray for this person's salvation. And I ask Jesus in His tender mercy to give this person a sound mind and break the power of Satan over their lives. It is a real war we are engaged in. So Balaam, using witchcraft, using divination, tries to reach out to God to find out what he should do. And God spoke to him and said to him in Numbers 22, verse 12, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on the people because they are blessed. Well, Balaam reported that. And they sent from Moab more important representatives and offered more money for the curse to be given. And so Balaam says, okay, I'll go back and ask God again. Maybe he'll say something different to me this time. It's obvious that Balaam has no understanding of who this God of heaven is. He is fooling with something and someone that is very, very dangerous. He says, I could not do anything great or small or go beyond the command of the Lord my God. But he does. This is the crazy part. A person who says, I'm a Christian, but doesn't walk like a Christian. It's mind-blowing. Balaam is claiming that he knows the Lord God of heaven because the Lord spoke to him. And he's saying, I can't go beyond what God has spoken. But then he tries to go beyond what God has spoken. And so because of that, God says to him, Okay, you want to go, go ahead and go. But only do what I tell you. But God's angry with him. God becomes angry when a person pushes God 
beyond the Word of God, when God has said no and we continue to push, He gets angry. So many of you don't push God, you push the devil. You push for what you want, and it doesn't matter what the price is, and it doesn't matter how you get it, you just want it. You want the job. And if God doesn't give it to you, get mad at Him and accuse Him and say, I want the job, I'm going to do what I have to do to go get it. Some of you lust after money. Some of you say to me, Pastor, I'll see you Sunday. And then you don't show up on Sunday. And I come back and I talk to you and I say, where were you on Sunday? Oh, Pastor, I got tied up. I had too many things I had to do. And I say, did any of those things you had to do have anything to do with money? Oh, yes, Pastor. I have to make the money. Oh, really? So money is your God. You worship mammon. You worship Baal. Money is what you're about. Oh, I know, Pastor. I shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. One man I talked with just before the broadcast today, I said to him, I'll see you, the, I'll see you Tuesday evening. He said, Oh, Pastor, I have too much to do. I'm not going to be able to come. I said, I don't understand. I thought you wanted to follow Jesus. Well, I do, Pastor. Oh, you do when it's convenient to you, when it doesn't affect the money you earn. Is that correct? Now, Pastor, no, don't play games with me and don't play games with God. Do you want Jesus Christ or don't you? Balaam said, I'm not going to do anything God doesn't tell me to do. But I keep going back and saying, God... Please, 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 please. And finally God says, okay, go. Go. And so Balaam rides his donkey, and the angel of the Lord is standing in the road. He has a drawn sword in his hand. He's going to kill Balaam. But the donkey sees and turns aside into a field, and Balaam beats her. Finally, he gets the donkey back on the road, and the angel of the Lord has stood in a narrow path between the two vineyards. And again, the donkey avoids the angel, and he crushes Balaam's foot against the wall, the stone, and so he beats her again. Verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat her again with his staff. Three times the donkey was able to see, but Balaam was not able to see. Witchcraft blinds your eyes so that you think everything is normal, but you are riding to your death. You are riding into the judgment of God against your life. When everything looks normal and you are going your own way, witchcraft is at play in your life. And as that witchcraft works its way out in your life, you will think everything is just normal and I'm going down the road and everything is fine. I'm happy without knowing that the angel of God's judgment stands before you to take your life. The angel of the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and the donkey said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Well, he's obviously using the weapons of the world. But wait a minute. I have to ask a very simple question, please. Who's the donkey? Balaam now is talking to his donkey. And the donkey is answering Balaam. It seems as though suddenly the donkey is the man and the man is the donkey. Does that seem strange to you? 
Have you made a donkey out of your life? Have you made a fool out of your life? Saying, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to have it my way and I'm not going to change what I want. Really? You're on your way to get your money. You're on your way to do your deal. You're on your way. And not knowing that an angel of God stands before you. And not knowing that in the end, you'll be a donkey. You'll be a donkey. You'll simply be a beast of burden for the devil. And you thought you were going to be free. Do any of you recognize what I'm talking about? Have you been a beast of burden for the devil? Have you been a donkey in your life? Have you gone after the things of your flesh, the wickedness of your heart, the lust of your heart? Have you gone after what you want? Are you getting tired of doing it? Are you getting tired of being a donkey? You see, in Jesus Christ, we are made real men and women of God. God specializes in turning donkeys into people. He specializes into taking those who have just about ruined their lives and redeeming them. I spoke to a man recently. He said to me, I'm trying to get my life squared around. I need to find the right woman to marry. I said, no, wait a minute. To find the right woman, you have to be the right man. Are you the right man? He shook his head and he said, no, I'm the wrong man. I have two children out of wedlock. He's almost 40 years of age. He's done every wicked thing in his life. I said, well, if you want to be in a relationship with the right woman, ask God if he would send her to you. But it's going to mean you're going to have to become the right man. You're going to have to humble your heart and you're going to have to seek after Jesus. You're going to have to pay a price. Or you'll continue being the wrong man and you'll continue getting the wrong woman. You'll continue going to the clubs and partying and dancing and drinking and doing drugs and you'll continue doing all the wickedness of your heart. And one day you'll wake up and your life will be over. And you'll have never found the right woman because you were never the right man. And your life has been cursed. And the angel of God will now take your life and cast you into hell. He was very sober. He said, Pastor, I want to become the right man. I said, then I look for you to come to church. I look for you to come and begin to read the Word. You're going to have to learn many things to become the right man and you're going to have to die and give up your life of sin he said pastor I will think about it and that was the end of the conversation how about you today where are you with Jesus are you the wrong man the wrong woman and your life is burdened with pain and sorrow and suffering because you've walked in sin Jesus is calling you my friend Jesus is calling you he's calling you to lay down your life and follow him now I'm not going to lie to you I opened the broadcast by saying 
great love demands great pain. Great love causes great pain. If you love Jesus, there will be the pain of your crucifixion and the dying out to your worldly ways and to your worldly flesh. Some of you have gone part way and you're now in the church and you attend church, but you've never fully died out. You've never paid the price. You've never been willing to suffer the pain of giving up the lust of your heart. So you're on the journey, but you're caught in Vanity Fair. And if something doesn't happen dramatic in your life, you will never make it on to the celestial city. You will die in Vanity Fair, and you will be cast into hell. You're going to have to die out. And you're going to have to be willing to suffer the pain to gain the love. Now let me pray with you, please. Almighty God, I know by your Spirit that there are many listening who are in the valley of decision. They know that they have been walking in sin in their heart. They have called themselves Christians, at least some have, but they know that they have not truly died out and been born again. Lord, I ask today for the mighty power of your Spirit to go forth and change these men and women from donkeys of darkness into men and women of light, that the glory of your righteousness would fill them, that your peace would fill them. Lord, have your way today. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.